I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 46. That's page 885 in your uh, pew Bibles, page 885, Psalm 46. And um, we've got another tradition in the church where in the season of Lent we actually memorize a psalm or try to memorize a psalm as a congregation. And uh, Psalm 46 is one of those psalms that we actually memorized. So we're just going to have you recite it this morning. Um, No, we're not going to do that. We're going to read it together. Actually, I will read it. Um, I invite you to keep your Bibles open uh, this morning too so that we can refer back or you can refer back to the psalm as we uh, go through the message today. So Psalm 46, page 885. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, The holy place where the Most High dwells, God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts His voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord. The desolations He has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The Word of the Lord. Sisters and brothers in Jesus Christ, there's an online Bible that I used to use quite frequently. And every time I would bring up the home page, there I would see uh, a picture of a very pleasant-looking woman She was clean, she was well-dressed, her glasses gave her a a sort of studious look about her, and the thing that struck me most was she had her hands wrapped around a nice mug of coffee, and it looked like she was sort of warming herself on a chilly morning as she was about to dive into her daily devotions. That's a picture to me of what we have done to Psalm 46. We have domesticated it. At least I think we have. It's the psalm of of be still, right? Be still and know that I am God. And we've turned it into a psalm of quieting ourselves before God and doing our, our personal devotions. Which I want to be very clear at this point. 
There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that's a, that's a wonderful practice. It's something that, frankly, we need to do more of because I don't think we actually quiet ourselves before God often enough. We don't do enough listening to God, opening His Word, spending time, and listening to what God actually might be saying to us. That's a wonderful practice. It's something that we should do more and more often. It's just not what this psalm is about. This psalm is about something much bigger than our morning coffee. It's about listening to God, but it's actually about God speaking one day in such a way that everyone is going to hear Him whether they want to or not whether they want to or not. Let's, let's take a look at this psalm, right? It begins in verses 2 and 3. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. This psalm is about the entire creation becoming undone. That's a big thing, okay? It's about the creation sort of flying apart at the seams. Have you ever done any work with a, with a power drill or some kind, of, some kind of rotary tool that works at a high speed? Maybe you were taking paint off furniture or cutting something or whatever it was. If you do that or if you've ever done that, you know that once that thing starts spinning and the faster it goes, if it ever comes out of center somehow, like if your sandpaper or your grinding wheel begins to split or come loose, you know that at that time, it's, it's, it's time to duck, it's time to get out of there, it's time that you're glad that your parents made you wore those, wear those plastic safety goggles, because what happens? At that kind of speed, everything begins to fly, it begins to fly apart when you lose center. And that's, that's sort of the picture that the psalmist is giving us here. He says, there are times when it seems like the creation is just coming apart at the seams, flying apart at the seams. It's coming undone. The picture that the psalmist gives us, or the image that the psalmist actually gives us, is a picture of the mountains falling into the heart of the sea. Now, mountains, if you've ever lived among mountains, right, they are the things that give you your bearings in life. You wake up in the morning, you see the mountain, you know exactly where you are. If suddenly the mountains are gone, if they've disappeared, you lose your sense of direction. You don't know where you are, you don't know where you might be going. The psalmist is talking about big things here. The creation falling apart, us losing our way. And in this regard, I, I have to confess that I too have been guilty of of making this psalm smaller than it is, reducing it to something much smaller than it's really about. I have a way of, and maybe you do too, of, of personalizing this psalm just a little too much, at least to start. And that's because there are, there are so many ways that, that things happen in our individual lives that make it seem like the world is falling apart around us or the ground is giving way beneath us. We're losing our moorings. It can happen at any moment, right? Through death, the death of a parent, 
or a child or a spouse. And suddenly the world we knew is no longer how we knew it. It can happen through divorce. It can send any family or community even into chaos. I think of things like illness where suddenly you're the victim of a crime and your sense of security is gone. It could be a job loss or some other economic insecurity that comes along. There are so many ways that in our personal lives it can feel like the creation is coming apart at the seams. And yet the images of this psalm go even beyond that. The images here are all huge. They're massive. They're big. Look at verse 6. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. Those are significant things. And yet, I have to confess again, it's this very portion of this psalm that I've paid very little attention to, at least in the past. Because honestly, this just doesn't seem to apply to my circumstances. I haven't seen a lot of the nations in in uproar. I haven't experienced that personally. That's always been something for somewhere else or for someone else. Aside from a select few of us, war has not really been a part of our experience, has it? I mean, if you're anything like my age or, or perhaps younger, I, I remember war from the newscasts of Walter, Walter Cronkite, right, and the images of Vietnam. And I remember, I remember them posting up the calendar where they would highlight the birth dates that had been drawn by the draft board. But by the time I got old enough to serve or to fight, that war was, was over. And so my experience of the nations in uproar was, was really limited to pretty much, you know, the older brothers of friends of mine who were suddenly just absent. My dad was familiar with war. He fought in the Navy in World War II, but he so rarely talked about it that it didn't seem all that real. It was sort of out of sight, out of mind. But then this past year was a little different, wasn't it? I mean, we saw Russia invade Ukraine, and I think it sent a lot of us into shock, war, visiting Europe again. Wow. It could happen. And and North Korea continued to rattle its swords, or you might say its ballistic missiles, And then China continued to press its claim on Taiwan and refused to back down in any way whatsoever. And even here in the West, we have have seen the nations in uproar. Hard to believe. When when Jackie and I were able to go to Europe this summer, our our home base was kind of in Munich, Germany. And uh, as I understand it, Munich was the capital of, of Bavaria, This was the very place where Hitler and his henchmen got their start. This was where it all began. Later on that trip, we visited Dachau also. And we saw the end result of what so many people along the way said, those are just words. It's just rhetoric. It's only hate speech. We saw what it became. 
They had a number of pictures for you to look at as you walked through Dachau, and we were struck by in how many of those pictures people had the look on their face of just sort of a numbness and a disbelief, disbelief that this could ever happen to them. They couldn't believe it was happening. Um, on the bike trip itself, we visited some countries that not so long ago were actually behind the Iron Curtain. And we saw many of the generic, bland apartment buildings that were thrown up by the tens of, of dozens. At the same time, um, I was reading a book about the Czech Republic and how their experience of the whole Nazi regime sort of led them to overcompensate and go in the other direction and welcome the communists to take over the country, to take over control of the government, and how quickly that too went south. And again, the theme that we kept bumming, bumping into and I kept reading was this idea of disbelief. People could not believe that it was happening to them. That suddenly they had no home. Suddenly they were on the run. Suddenly their neighbors were reporting them to the police for things that they hadn't done. People were taking over their property. It was just this disbelief that this could happen to us. And it made me read Psalm 46 in a little different way. These images of the nations in uproar, of kingdoms falling, are they really just images from the past? Is that how you think of them? Just things that happened in another time and another place? You know, we have a lot of pride, don't we? Is it our pride that leads us to believe that that kind of thing could never happen to me or to us? I, I got a Christmas card this year from someone who used to belong to this congregation. Um, his wife is from the Ukraine. And uh, suddenly, this year, they had her dad and mom, and aunt, and cousin sharing their bathroom. And they had kind of that same thought. Can't believe this is happening. Can it happen again? Could it happen today? Of course. Of course it can. Of course it can. Look again at verse 1 of this psalm. What does it say there? It says that our God is an ever-present help in trouble. But to really understand that, what you have to understand too is that the trouble is also ever-present. If God is an ever-present help in trouble, then what that means is that the trouble is also ever-present. But that's, quite frankly, not something we like to hear, is it? That there is still real trouble in this world. 
and that in the year 2023, that trouble might just rear its ugly head once again. And it may actually seem to us like, like the creation is coming undone, like it's coming apart at the seams, like we don't recognize this life anymore. We don't like to hear that. We would rather slip into denial, or we would rather believe that somehow we've evolved beyond all of those sorts of things, that we've evolved beyond that sort of trouble. I think we may have seen that sort of thing during the COVID pandemic, didn't we? Sort of a denial that this is even happening. How could this happen to us? Did you know that there are, there are two very prominent examples of, of things that have afflicted God's people throughout the generations since almost the beginning of time? Um, you find them stated over and over again in the Old Testament and in the Psalms in particular. Two things in particular. One is war or the sword and the other is disease pestilence, or the plague, it's often called. Do a word search sometime on plague and pestilence, and you'll see how often those words actually come up, and often in tandem with the sword. These are the kinds of things that afflicted God's people. In fact, we sang, we sang earlier one of the songs based on Psalm 91. We sang that when plague and pestilence draw nigh, God will keep us safe in times like that. That's the message of Psalm 91. It mentions those exact words. But when plague and pestilence actually did draw nigh, how did we respond? Was it with disbelief? I can't believe this is happening to us. Friends, is that the message of Psalm 46? Is that the way we're supposed to read it? That things like that really don't happen anymore. This is just a psalm of nostalgia, right? That's the kind of stuff that used to happen. Is that what Psalm 46 is teaching us? I don't think so. It's not nostalgia. Psalm 46 is present tense. It's now. Trouble is ever present. And as Christians, we should be the last people who are surprised by that. We should be the last people to deny it. Right? We confess that this world, every square inch of it, has been devastated by sin. The world does not evolve out of that situation. It doesn't educate itself out of that situation or beyond sin and beyond trouble. We can't do that on our own. We need Christ to do that, right? We need Jesus to do that. We need Jesus to reestablish His reign in this world over every square inch of His creation. And therefore, all of our work and all of our effort in this world, both paid and unpaid, is really about pushing back the darkness in service to our Savior Christ, our King who reigns. 
It's about fighting the evil. It's about restoring its victims. It's about understanding that our fight is not against flesh and blood, but it's against all the forces of trouble. And therefore, we arm ourselves with what? With truth and with the gospel and with faith and with the Spirit of God and with prayer. Trouble is ever-present in this world, and it will be present until the day that Christ returns. Don't be surprised by it, and don't let your children be surprised by it. Don't teach them that the whole world is like Brookfield in 2023. It's not. There is trouble in this world. Instead, Let your children know that while trouble is ever-present, so is our helper. So is our helper. Our God is an ever-present help in trouble. He is our strength. He is our refuge. And so when creation begins to come undone, we don't go into denial we go to God. We do what the psalmist did. We we lament. How could this be happening? We cry out to God for help. Save us. We ask God in the midst of our affliction, Lord, why has this come upon us? Is there something about us that we need to change, that we need to do differently? Are we sinning before you in some way? Make it clear to us, Lord. We go to God. And God comes to us. The Lord Almighty is with us. That phrase gets repeated in this psalm, doesn't it? The Lord Almighty is with us. That's because when this psalm was used by the worshiping community, that was the congregation's response. So the worship leader would would recite the psalm and he would say, nations are in uproar and kingdoms fall and the people would respond, the Lord Almighty is with us. But the Lord Almighty is with us. Friends, that's what we need to teach our children this year. That's what we need to remember this year. That the world is full of trouble, but it's also full of help. The Lord Almighty is with us. And we must seek Him. We must seek Him. And if we do, He will be found. And we know where to look, right? Emmanuel, God with us. We know where to look. In a little child that mystified the world, that can't be power, that can't be a king, that can't be a savior. But as God's people, we know where to look, don't we? You know, um, you read verse 4 of this text, and it says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. And here you have the evidence of God's presence and what His presence does in the world. It comes right after that image of the seas. Um, The seas are raging with chaos and threatening to overtake all of the civilized land But in the city of God, we read, where God is present, there is water that is quiet and it's controlled and it's a source of life 
And that's what God's presence does. Wherever God is in this world, His presence quiets the trouble and it turns it into a place of order and a place where there can be life. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. However, did you know that there's no river in Jerusalem? <laughs> On our bike trip this summer, we, we basically biked next to all the rivers in Germany. Well, just one big river, but it sort of guided everything you do. And, and you notice all of these, you know, boats full of tourists on the rivers, and you notice barges. There's none of that in Jerusalem. If you go to Jerusalem, and I never have been, but if you go to Jerusalem, you're not going to see tourists on boats. You're not going to see barges with all sorts of commerce. There's no river there. So what's the psalmist talking about? There's a river, he says, whose streams make glad the city of God, but there is no river. Well, the people who live in Jerusalem know what the psalmist is talking about because there is sort of an underground stream in Jerusalem that's a source of water and life for the people. But only the people who live there actually know it and see it and experience it. And that's how it is for God's people today. We're the ones who know where God is present. We're the ones who see Him when no one else does, providing life and health. God is with us. He's not absent. He's not hidden. It's really right where he said he would be. Where did he say he would be? He said he would be in the hungry and the homeless and the naked and the sick and the prisoner. If you haven't seen God lately, maybe you haven't been looking in the right places. If you haven't experienced God's presence lately, maybe you haven't been looking in the right places. Because he's there, he's right where he said he would be. The stream is there. Our help is present. And it's that awareness of God's presence here and now that gives us hope for the future as well. As we said, Psalm 46 is a, a psalm about the present, but that present leads to a future, doesn't it? Because God is, is not always invisible and quiet. Sometimes He's loud and very obvious. At least obvious to His people. Come and see the works of the Lord, says the psalmist. Come and see His works. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow, shatters the spear. Those are the kinds of things that God is up to. It's no secret. He prevents wars. He prevents diseases. He ends wars. He ends diseases. Those are the things he spends his time on. He's establishing his kingdom of peace among us. Don't be fooled. Amid all of the trouble, God is at work. 
While the nations rage, God is at work bringing peace to war's victims. As economies fail, God is at work feeding the hungry. As pestilence afflicts, God is at work healing the sick. As sin divides and diminishes and wreaks all sorts of havoc on his world, God is at work building his church. Have you seen him this past year? Has he prevented disease from you? Have you thanked him for that? When you presented your, your vegetables to God, did you feel his gladness? Did you feel his smile? As you thought about children that the world would toss aside and throw away, being filled with God's dignity again, did you feel God's gladness? Did you sense his presence in that? He is present. He is at work. He's doing all the things that he said he would do. Come and see the works of the Lord. Did you see Jesus confront the Pharisees and their self-righteousness? Did you see him reach out and heal a man with a withered hand that nobody else seemed to care about? Did you hear him teach on marriage and divorce and God's ideals? Did you hear him say, Father, forgive my enemies for they know not what they do? Come and see the works of the Lord. Did you see him lay down his life on the cross for his friends and his enemies? Did you hear him when he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from the sky? Come and see. Because he says that one day he will put an end to all of the trouble. We don't know when, maybe it's not today, but he will do it. He says that one day he will stand <clears throat> upon the earth and shout right into the teeth of all of the trouble in this world and he will say, be still, enough, you've wreaked enough havoc on my world. Now know that I am God and the earth will be silent before him. And the nations will stop their clamoring. And the hidden one that so many scoffed at and so many said he'll amount to nothing. The hidden one will be revealed and they will scoff no more. Friends, that's what we have to look forward to. That's what Psalm 46 tells us. That's our future. Maybe it won't happen in 2023. We don't know the date. But as God's people, we do know what's coming. We do know the future. And that's what keeps us going. The Lord Almighty is with us. Let's bow together in prayer.
Father God, we thank you for the assurance again and again that you are with us. Whether our worlds are thrown into chaos in personal ways, very hurtful personal ways, or very large hurtful ways, Lord, you have reminded us again and again that as you have been with your people in the past, you will be with us in the future, and we do know the end, that one day you will proclaim enough, be still, and the trouble will end. Give us patience as we wait for that day. Give us perseverance as we wait for that day. Give us faith as we live for that day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.